Oh, well, good morning, church. Good morning. What a great, great day. And just a beautiful day outside, beautiful day in here as we worship our God. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms. And happy Mother's Day. My mom's back there. And happy Mother's Day, Mom. And my amazing, wonderful wife is here. And just so grateful for um, them in my life and just how amazing they are. And so grateful for every mom that's here and the difference that you make in the lives of so many. And so happy Mother's Day to everybody. And we are in the middle of a really great series. It's a series called Happily Ever After. And in this series, we're talking about what it means to be happily ever after in all of our relationships. And so it's just kind of a perfect timing for us as we unpack the Word of God together. You see, we grew up in this world, and it's kind of a fairy tale world, right? You know, we watch the movies, and we think princess meets prince, and it's love at first sight, and there's no problems or no worries. And then they, you know, get married, and they live in a castle, and there's fireworks, and they have perfect kids. And, you know, then we get out into the real world, and we say, wait, that's not how it really works. You know, relationships are messy. They're they're hard. They're challenging, and and sometimes hearts get broken. Sometimes we say things that we regret. Sometimes there's difficulties and trials and struggles. And yet, what we find as we unpack the Word of God is this: is that God created it all. And God created love. God wants us to succeed. God wants us to find our soulmate, our Adam or our Eve. God wants us to have a great marriage. God wants us to have an awesome marriage. And God wants us to have great kids. And so we've been talking about this as we unpacked Genesis chapter 2 and went and we looked and we said, man, God is the one who made this. And God is for you. And though it may not be easy and though it may be struggles and challenges and difficulties, God is here and God is redeeming and restoring. And God wants us to experience happily ever after. And so if you're a parent, I'm really glad you're here today because we're talking about kids. We talked in the first week about dating and the second week in our series about marriage. And today we're talking about children and raising children. So if you're a parent, I'm right there on this journey with you. I've got three little girls who are wonderful and I love them. But I'm right there with you on this journey. If you're a grandparent, I'm so thankful you're here. Because you are leaving a legacy and you are doing an incredible job and an incredible work. And what a blessing it is. If you're an aunt or an uncle, I'm thankful that you're here. If you teach in preschool children or student ministry, I'm thankful that you're here. And if you're here and you don't even like kids, I'm glad you're here. Because you know what? We're all in this thing together, right? I mean, it does. It takes a community. It takes a community to raise kids. And it's awesome. It's exciting. Now, raising kids is not easy. It's challenging, isn't it? I'll never forget when uh, we had Grace, our our first daughter, and we're leaving the hospital, and I go to put her in the car seat in the back of our car, which I had taken to the fire department to make sure I put it in right, you know, (laughs) because I was like, and I put her in the car, and I'm getting on 65, and I'm driving in the far, slow lane. I'm driving like 40 miles an hour. I've never driven 40 miles an hour before on I-65, and I am over there, and I'm just like looking around. You know why? Because I felt the weight. I'm a parent now. And there was a weight to that. There was a responsibility to that. You know? But it's crazy, isn't it? You know, you go to our house and there's laundry everywhere. I don't know if anybody else, if you got laundry under control, way to go. We don't yet. You know, we kind of, hey, that pile, is that clean? Yeah, it's clean. That's good. Go ahead and wear it. You know, I mean, we just kind of did a smell test. You know, we feel like taxi cab drivers sometimes going to all kinds of events and gymnastics and soccer and everywhere. But wow, isn't it great? (laughs) And in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the chaos, there's just these times when they'll come up and they just snuggle up to you or they'll put their arm around you or they'll just look up to you and they'll just say, I love you, Daddy. And your heart just melts. And you just go, okay. (laughs) There really is a happily ever after. 
and in God's grace and in God's economy, God designed and created us for this. And this is our time, and this is our moment. And so let's do it right, and let's do it well. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, it's the fifth book in the Old Testament, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Law, the Torah, the Pentateuch. Um, and we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scriptures online and follow along with us as we unpack the Word of God today. Deuteronomy chapter 6, or we'll put the words on the screen, and you can follow along with what God's Word has to say. So pick up here at verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So here they are, right? They're standing, the whole children of Israel are standing on the Jordan River looking into the promised land, this land that God had promised them. And they're getting ready to walk into the land. And Moses pulls them all together and says, Hey guys, you remember how God's called us to live. God met us at Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, man, he told us the laws and the decrees and the commands. Sometimes we, we take kids home from the hospital and we think, uh, where's the instruction manual, you know? How am I supposed to do this? And yet God says, here's the instruction manual. Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's how you're supposed to live, right? So that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Isn't that awesome that God is for you? That God wants you to have long life? That God wants you to have a great life? God's for you here, O Israel. And be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is known as the Shema. And every Jew, every Jew who's a devout Jew, they would say this every day of their life. They quote this passage right here in 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Three things I want you to see here, first of all. First of all, it begins with your personal relationship with God. It's right here, right? Love the Lord, your God. It's personal. And there comes a time in every one of our lives as God draws us to himself that we have to make a decision. Are we going to step over the line and make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life? Are we going to follow him? And it's not just our parents' faith or our family's faith or our community's faith or our church's faith. It becomes our faith. Love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And this word strength in the Hebrew, it literally means oomph, right? It's like every part of you, just everything in you that you love God, that he is first and foremost in your life. The second thing I want you to see is this, is it's communal, right? Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. And so if you're a parent today or a grandparent today or an aunt, we raise kids in community, we do this together. It's communal. God said that's important. I grew up at a, a great church. I was so blessed. And, and what I found was I had a support network at my church. It wasn't just my parents. It was my friends' parents. It was my church community that came around me. We are so blessed here at Rolling Hills. I mean, we are. 
Nick Allen does an incredible job in our family and children's ministry. You know, Chase Baker in student ministry and Anna Townsend in preschool ministry. It's amazing. We have so many kids and so many amazing parents. But we need each other. Every person is important. We have the best preschool children, student workers, I believe, in the world. And they love our kids. And as a parent, sometimes you can say something to your kid over and over again, and they don't hear you, but then somebody else says something to them, and they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You're like, dude, I've been saying that for you know, 20 times. But it's just a different voice. And we are blessed to have such a great church and a great opportunity, but we raise kids, we do this parenting thing, we do this in community. And the third thing that I think is important is this. He's saying be intentional, right? Be intentional. Talk to your children. Talk to your children's children when you walk along the road, right? When you sit at home, tie them on your hands and on your foreheads. Make sure if you don't do anything else in life that you are passing on, that you are intentional. See, we're intentional about a lot of things. Right? We're intentional to plan you know, school calendars. We're intentional to get them to soccer practice or basketball practice or gymnastics. We're intentional about a lot of things. But how intentional are we at pouring into our kids, at teaching them what's important and what's going to sustain them in life? So if we're to raise godly kids, raise godly kids, here's some principles I think that are so important for all of us. To raise godly kids. Number one is this, or number one, letter G. We'll go godly, okay? Letter G. Give our kids, or give your children, a solid spiritual foundation. Give your children a solid spiritual foundation. Right? Build a foundation for them. You know, if if you're in construction, you know this, right? A, A building can only support its foundation right? It's proportional, the height of the building to the foundation. So there's sometimes you have a foundation that can only handle one story. It can only handle two stories. I mean, if you want to have a big building, like a skyscraper, a big, huge, but you've got to have a deep, strong, solid foundation. And when you look at our kids, what kind of foundation are we giving them? If we want them to go in and change the world, we want them to have an incredible life, an incredible hope, an incredible future, what kind of foundation are we pouring into them? What kind of difference will they make when they have challenges that come their way? What will they hold on to? What will they find their strength in? If we don't right now pour into them, Give your kids a solid foundation. You know, he says this over and over. Impress this on your heart. And then you teach your kids, teach your kids, teach your kids. And we always like, well, when am I going to do that? My life is so busy. I've got work and I've got, you know, social life. And I've got all these things that are happening. When am I going to do that? And he goes like, okay, just do it when you walk along the road. Do it when you sit at home. Do it when you're driving the kids in the minivan instead of putting in a DVD. You have a spiritual conversation. He said, you take advantage of every moment that you get. You see, there's little eyes watching you all the time. There are. There's little eyes that are watching you all the time. And they're looking for what's important to you. They're looking for what you value. And they're they're determining their future by what they see. And so you and I have got to be intentional to say, I want them to know this. I want them to know how to pray. But did they watch us pray? And we're like, well, we're so busy. You know, it's hard to take the time. And he's like, okay, when you sit down at a meal, right? You know, instead of just diving in, they may just take a moment to grab hands and you may go, well, I'm not exactly sure what to pray. What do I pray? And you just say this, God, thank you for this food. Amen. You know, 
But see, what you're saying there is you're saying, we recognize, God, that it's your provision. We recognize that this is from you. When you crawl up in their bed at night, you know, you can only read Curious George, you know, how many times until you kind of say, hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm, I'm glad the man with the yellow hat's working out well here for you. But, hey, I want my kids to have a solid foundation. And so let's pull the Bible out. Let's read through. And you're like, I don't know what to read. I don't know where to go. Well, hey, the Rolling Hills app. Right now, we're taking a daily step. We're in the book of Exodus, or we're in the book of Acts, and sitting down with them and reading, and you think, well, what if they ask me questions? What if they ask me hard questions? Great. Say, I don't know. Let me find out. Let me email some people at church. Let me ask some people. That's great. But you are laying a foundation. I am laying a foundation for my kids. And last weekend, weekend before last, my daughter Grace, she turned 10. She's our oldest child. I don't know why it just caught me. It was like, she's 10. She's over halfway there, right? I mean, if she goes off to college when she's 18, she's, I I mean, goodness, she she passed that mark, that halfway mark. I only have eight years left. Now, I know they're always going to be my kid, and they're always going to be back around, and I get that right. But, But I got eight years, and I'm laying a foundation in their life. What do I want them to know? What do I want them to love? Where do I want them to find their strength and their energy and their joy? We've got to give them a solid foundation. You know, last Sunday we had a family dedication time. And at 3 o'clock last Sunday we had 11 babies who were dedicated to the Lord. And next Sunday at South Nashville we have four more babies who are dedicated to the Lord. And it's a special time. You know, I mean, you have parents, you have babies, you have grandparents, you have aunts, uncles, you have small group friends, and everybody kind of circles around and they're all sitting out there and there comes a point in that service where I say, if you're a parent, would, would you stand up with your child? So they stand up and they're holding their child. And I say, okay, but now I want you to make a commitment. And you may have made a commitment at an altar one day where you got married. And you, I want you to make a commitment right now. Will, will you promise, will you promise to raise your child in a way that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Will you promise to give them a solid spiritual foundation so that they will have strength to hold on to? If you'll make this promise... Will you say we will? And to hear those parents say, we will. And then to watch as the, everybody else stands up and grandparents and aunts and uncles and church friends and people come around them and put their hands on them and just pray over them. And I just think, that's a beautiful picture. See, that's not the child's salvation experience. That's going to come later on as God draws that child to his heart and they give their life to Jesus Christ. But what they're saying and what this family is saying is we are dedicating this child to the Lord. Proverbs 22.6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's an awesome promise, isn't it? It doesn't mean that they won't take a circular way to get there, right? You know, some of us are sitting here like, well, yeah, college, woo, I went there, you know. But, but praise God, I had a foundation. Praise God that I'm back now. Praise God that I'm in church. And praise God that I'm learning and I'm growing. Give your kids, give our kids a solid spiritual foundation. Here's the O, here's the O. Offer children opportunities to be kids. Offer children's opportunities to be kids. Proverbs 17 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Somebody asked me, they said, do you feel like kids are having to grow up faster today? I said, yeah, they're having to grow up faster today than ever before. 
Right? I mean, you look at what these people were dealing with. They didn't have the challenges of, hey, man, you know, drugs and, you know, the internet and all this stuff that, you know, there's just things out there that our kids are facing, that our kids are dealing with. It's life is coming at them 100 miles an hour. And so many of them are having to grow up so fast that they don't even look back and have a childhood. If you think back in your life, what are the things that just make you smile? What are the things that you went, oh, that was so fun. Oh, that was so great. Oh, I love that. What were those things? You know, I offer kids those opportunities. As parents, I know we get busy. In fact, statistically, studies have shown that as Americans, we work more than any nation in the world. We take less vacation than any nation in the world. But you know what? We've got to be intentional. And I want to challenge you and encourage you. Take a vacation. You know, go with your kids and go somewhere. Just get away. And you're like, well, I don't have the money. It doesn't have to be super expensive. We're not talking taking your kids to Europe. We're talking going hiking or going camping or go to Chattanooga. You can see seven states at one time. You know, <laughs> kids love it, right? Go to the aquarium. Do something fun. Kids love that. See, you are creating memories. You are creating memories right now. And we get so busy doing all this and we're thinking, oh, I've got to work overtime so I can make extra money. You know, you know what? Your kid doesn't care if they're riding a Toyota or a BMW. What they care about is that they're riding with you. That's what they care about. Have fun. We've got a tickle monster that shows up at our house every now and then. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen him yet, but my girls tell me about him and that he rings the doorbell and he comes and they say he looks a lot like me, but he has his hat on backwards and his clothes inside out and he comes in with these big paws and he just runs through the house. He starts tickling, tickling everybody and then he runs out the door and somehow I miss him every time. But the girls just think it's the coolest thing ever. And we laugh and we laugh and we love, we build pillow forts. We have a blast. And you and I, we've got that opportunity to just pour into our kids you know what, I look back and I remember having so much fun. I remember church camp. I mean, I love church camp. I mean, it was awesome. I remember those things. I remember Wizzy nights. I remember all these times of just being and laughing. As an adult, we've got a model for our kids. Hey, it's okay to grow up because it's still fun. A lot of kids don't want to grow up because they think, oh, it gets boring, right? Life gets boring. You're like, no, 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 it doesn't. See, a boring Christian to me is an oxymoron. I mean, it just is, you know. And some people will say, well, I'm so deep, you know, and I'm somber all the time. I'm like, you're not deep, you're boring, you know, come on. I mean, there's times, there's times that you want to be reverent, and there's times that you're just in awe of God's goodness and grace. But, but man, there's the God who said, I've created life, that you might have life to have it to the full. And we need to offer those opportunities to our kids. We don't get those times back. D, D is this, discipline them in love. Discipline them in love. Ephesians chapter 6. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> you know, there's sometimes you're out and you're at restaurants or different places and you're like, kids are going crazy. You're like, uh, who's the parent here? You know what I mean? At some point, you know, you, you got to speak up. You got to be the parent, right? It says, honor your father your, and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. You see, training and instruction, it also involves discipline. And you know what discipline means? Discipline means I care. Discipline means I care. It, it really does. It, it means I care about you. Have you ever thought about this? The only people in your life who are willing to tell you no are the people who love you. 
Everybody else is going to tell you yes, right? They're going to say, yeah, smoke it, drink it, spend it, whatever, yeah, man, you know. But it's the people in your life who are going to say, no, 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 wait, 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 I care about you too much. Don't do it. You're out of control. Your spending is going crazy. Stop, stop, stop. Those are the people who truly love you in life. Those are the people who are willing to step in and say, hey, I care about you. You are important to me. But it says, Father, do not exasperate your children. What that means is this. You always discipline out of love. You never discipline out of anger. And sometimes we get frustrated and we discipline out of anger, but you want to discipline out of love. Out of love. A few years ago, a buddy of mine called me and he, and he said, Jeff, he said, would you just pray for me right now? I said, yeah, man, what's going on? What happened? He goes, he goes, my kids, they were just driving me nuts. He goes, they were going crazy. And he goes, I reached over and I just grabbed one of them. And they were, I had this rage. And he said, and I was holding on and I just backed off. And I, and I knew I had to go call you. I had to call you. And I just had to say, would you pray for me? And I said, yeah, wow, scary. He goes, I've never been so scared in all my life. He goes, I let it get to me. I let the anger, I let the rage get to me. And so we prayed right there. You know what I thought is, man, that happens so often. If our hearts aren't centered on God, if our hearts are, are centered on getting our way, what happens so many times is that anger can build up within us. We have to come back and say, whoa, 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 God, I need you. I need that patience. I need that purpose. I need that wisdom. Oh, God, I want to love. I want to discipline our love. You see, children, they need boundaries, right? Uh, they need deep boundaries. You know, maybe for you there's a lot of gray areas in life, but for kids, kids are concrete operational thinkers. They haven't moved into the abstract yet. They still need some boundaries. They need help on knowing what's appropriate or what's inappropriate. And for you and I, that that's our call to discipline, to step back. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's easy. But man, at some point that we've got to speak into their lives. You see, there's consequences in life, right? And a lot of times as parents, we're like, okay, if you don't stop this, when I get to three, you're going to time out. One, two. Two and a half, two and three fours, two and seven eighths, and I'm running out of fractions, you know? I mean, you're like, and you never get to three. At some point, you've got to get to three. You've got to get to three. And you've got to say, listen, I love you enough to give you some boundaries, to give you some guidelines. I love you enough to say, hey, sit over here for a minute and think about this decision. Discipline, discipline means I love you. Have you thought about this? The Bible says the Lord disciplines those he loves. That's you and me. And there may be a time in our life, man, when life is kind of out of control for us and we felt the hand of God just saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You're drifting and I love you too much to let you go. I love you too much to let you go. Here's the L. Lavish on your children encouragement and affection. Lavish on your children encouragement and affection. You know what? Kids are fragile. Kids are. There's this lie that's out there. It says this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, that's the biggest lie that was ever written at all. Okay, ever wrote that? You're a liar, okay? I mean, come on. I mean, we all know that it's a lie. Because many of us, man, we carry with us the burden of when we were young. And somebody said something to us or somebody called us a name. And man, that just hurts. It still hurts. Long after the bruises are gone, long after the cuts have healed, we still carry that with us. But you know what? Our kids are fragile. And they need to hear from us. They need to hear positive. They need to hear encouragement. They need to hear, I am with you and I am for you. I believe in you. See, a lot of times what we say to them is, is negative all the time, isn't it? 
You know, don't put your feet on the couch. Don't put your backpack there. Don't put your sister in the toilet. You know, I mean, it's like <laughs> negative, negative, negative. At some point, you know, it's positive. At some point, it's encouraging. Now, we don't expect encouragement back, right? Because, because they're small, and sometimes they get mad, and they get frustrated, and they don't know how to have the emotional vocabulary to express that. And so they may say, well, I hate you. They don't really hate you. Newsflash, they love you. Parents, you're a number one influence in your kid's life until the age of 22. I mean, they, you, they love you. They believe in you. They want the best for you, but they don't know how to respond. But you and I have that opportunity to love, to love, to love, and to offer encouragement. And when my children were born, I said, I'm going to tell them I love them every day of their life. Every day of their life. I don't care if I'm out of the country and I have to write them a note, you know, if I'm going to call them by Skype. Every day, I want them to know, if they don't know anything else, that, that I love them and that God loves them. And so now we're to the point, I'll be like, hey, Mabry, you know what? You love me. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I want you to know that. And offer our children this love and affection so they don't have to go out there and try to find it somewhere else. That they know that they have that. That you just lavish that on them. And then here's the why. Here's the why of godly. You know what it is? It's you. It's you. It's you. Listen to this passage of scripture. Listen how many times God says you. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's you. It's you. It's me. I always believe this, that discipleship is more caught than taught. It's more caught than taught. That those little eyes are watching you all the time. And they're watching and learning how to live life, how to do relationships. They're watching and learning how to do a relationship with God. They're learning about prayer. They're learning about serving. They're learning about giving. They're making a difference. Because they're watching you. They're watching you. Do you know they watch as you take care of your parents? You're setting a pattern for them. For what they'll take care of you with one day. They're always watching. And being a parent, it takes personal sacrifice. It does, doesn't it? I remember driving home with Grace in the car and thinking, wow, my life just changed. You know, when you get married, my life didn't really change that much. I'm living with my best friend. It was great. It was awesome. It was amazing. And then all of a sudden now, when you have a baby, it's like your whole social life comes to a stop. You know, it's like your whole life changes. I knew there were engagements that I wouldn't be able to take because, because I had a child. There's people in our church who, they haven't taken promotions at work because they know it was going to take them away from their family more. And they've just said, you know what, this is a sacrifice I'm willing to make because of my kids. We don't get this time back. We get this one chance. We get this one opportunity. And you know what your kids want? You. This past week, uh, a guy named Kevin Durant, he won the MVP of the NBA. He most valuable player in the National Basketball Association, right? Plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Kevin Durant, uh, you know, he is a great basketball player. Beat out LeBron. So he's the best basketball player in the entire world. Lots of money, lots of fame, lots of success. And he gave his acceptance speech for winning the MVP award. And I want you to hear what he talked about just this past week. 
into our, our first apartment. No, no bed, no furniture, and we just all sat in, in the living room and just hugged each other. Because we, that's what we, we thought we made it. And when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. You wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street, put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. You the real MVP. Mom, you're the real MVP. You're the real MVP. You're the one who's been there. You're the one who sacrifices. You're the one who loves. Kevin Durant's mom raised two boys by herself because at the age of one, Kevin's dad took off. About 10 years ago, he did an interview with the Washington Post. He said, I was so selfish and so immature. He missed out on his kid's life. There's no greater investment that you or I are going to make. It's not. And what we pour into our kids, our grandkids, or the next generation, what we teach in those preschool and the children and the students, there's no greater investment that we're going to make. And life gets busy and it gets chaotic and it gets hard, but I want to tell you, where are you investing? Where are you putting your time and your energy and your sacrifice? What's important to you? First John chapter 3, verse 1 says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. You are a child of God. And God lavishes His love on you every day. God says, I love you. I believe in you. You are mine. And what we receive from God is not condemnation. What we receive from God is not judgmentalism. What we receive from God is grace and mercy and love. And when you and I center our lives on Him, when you and I find our worth and our value in Him, when you and I every day get up and say, God, give me the wisdom and the grace and the mercy and the patience that I need to be the man or the woman that you created me to be. God, I put everything in your hands. God, I'm wholly yours. That's when we can love and live and laugh as men and women after God's heart. That's when we can be the parents that our kids need. That's when we can do what God's called us to do. So where are you today? In your relationship with God, have you gotten this right? Is there a time in your life that God draws you to himself and you've said yes to Jesus and made him the Lord of your life? And then what have you done since? 
I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. Maybe life's just been out of control. Maybe it's been crazy and hard and chaotic. But right now, would you just sit and be honest with God? Just honest with God. Maybe it's today, God, I need you. (laughs) I've been trying to do life on my own, and God, it's hard. It's challenging. It's difficult. Or maybe today, you just want to open your hands to God and say, God, everything in my life for you. Maybe you just want to take this time to pray for your kids. Or maybe your future kids. Just say, God, I may be the parent you created me to be. Or the grandparent. Or the aunt or the uncle. Or the preschool, the children, or student leader. God, this is my time. And it's my responsibility. So fill me, God. God, I give you everything. Everything.